Hello and welcome to the official Copper and Blue podcast. I'm your host, Preston Hodgkinson, and this week's episode is going to be a little bit different. Shona's not here, Gerard's not here, and Corey's not here. I'm all by myself, except for a wonderful guest joining me, Dennis King. If you follow him on Twitter, you either love him or you hate him, and we here at Copper and Blue love him. So, Dennis, how's it going? Jeez, I didn't know anybody hated me. First of all, we're off to a bad start. Man, it's Christmas. Come on. I, I, we love you over here. A lot of people hate them. Oh, okay. Well, we love you here. This is a safe space for us to hear. Um. <laughs> you know, this is funny, man, talking to like young people because we got safe space, and then you DM me, and you're like, I'm going to call you RN. And I was like, oh, man. So, yeah, this is funny. Let's go. Awesome, perfect. So the Edmonton Oilers are in quite a slump. They've lost six games in a row, the most recent being to the Toronto Maple Leafs in a 5-1 drubbing at home. Um, I didn't get to see the end of that game, but I expect that the Boo Birds were raining down on the team. Um, Dennis, what is going on with this team? I know we've heard a lot about the defense. We've heard a lot about the bottom six. What's going on with the Edmonton Oilers right now? Okay, well, the first thing is is that you've established your quitter. (laughs) Because you can't finish out, like, a third period of a six-game losing streak, Preston. I was, I had to go pick up some people. It wasn't me quitting. I had prior obligations, okay? So I do have an excuse there. This is what I heard. I heard quitter. Because, man, go back and look at, like, the 07, like, the original death march. Just go back and look at that, like, game by game. Just, I don't know, just someday when you're, like, only half depressed and you want to be full-on depressed, go on and look at that because, man, and, like, I was, you know, I was recording those games and watching them, so I don't know. I'm going to keep doing this, but, yeah, I'm putting, like, a, a quitter check mark in the box, but... Well, I don't know. Uh, I, okay. I expect them to win tonight because you just, like, you know, I've, I've been on sports and, and primarily hockey these days. If you kind of look at the underlying numbers... A couple of the guys who are slumping, you know, we know who they are. That doesn't happen forever. Uh, you're kind of, everything is snapped back now. It's very elastic, you know. It, initially, you're living on a 50% power play. You know, it, it's fun to listen to the media say, oh, the Oilers are on a PDO heater as if they fucking ever understand it. And <laughs> also, that's fine to say, like, if you're not a one and you got the nuts to say, guess what, like, hold on here, because there's going to be some correction, and the record is going to even out. Well, that's fine, but you don't say that. You're you're 9-1, and one, and everything is going to be great, and you're making fun of the Leafs, because they let Hyman go. And then that's what we that's what we saw, and, and that's what we heard. So, not as good as they were in the first, not as bad as they've been now. I know that's a common refrain for anybody that believes in numbers, but that's just the way, you know, that's the way that I look at sports in general. The idea is like, okay, where should the team be? And I don't even know if they should be this record, but let's say that they should be this record. Year three of Holland, that's not fucking good enough. No, not and at he all. Had, he, put, he, put a stamp, he put a stamp down last summer, and he just fucked everything. And now you're looking at a guy who, like, can't win a trade, and what's the first thing that you would do well i mean you'd make a trade when everything sucked this bad well i mean jesus look at what he did with keith i mean god we don't want like how can he go any lower can chelio still play i mean i don't know who owns his rights what will we have to give up for him i I don't really like there's no 
there's no bottom with Holland. That's the, that's the thing that I think that uh, that's kind of like jarring and destabilizing. It's like you you think that you've seen the worst of Holland, but you kind of really haven't because he took on Keith and he didn't even get like half retained. And he gave up a third round pick. And he gave up a depth defenseman. You could have probably got a fourth or a fifth round pick for and you put all of that, and you took a problem off the hands, and you picked up a fellow who wasn't fucking vaccinated and started off late because he wouldn't vaccinate it, and you're supposed to know all this shit. So, man, there's no fucking bottom with Holland. Yeah. There's not. I mean, and everything he's living off is, and God, I hate to say this, it makes me feel terrible, especially around Christmas time. He's living off fucking Peter Cirelli. I mean, imagine. <laughs> Uh, it's it's so, quite uh it's quite uh a detriment to say that you're living off of Peter Shirelli like that's a that's an insult and a half but you're right it's true. I'm gonna tell you look I'm, and this is gonna sound like I don't know people have like uh, you know decade of darkness or whatever the fuck whatever moniker you kind of want to put on it. This is as bad like to see that six game losing streak. To look under the hood at what's happening, to look at the fact that uh, every bad contract, every at least substantially bad contract from Cirelli was gone by the time this summer came. Mm-hmm. To see that Devin, like, there was one thing I, I tweeted today, and this is kind of like, this is such a cold, hard fact that I wouldn't expect anybody in the Edmonton media to even look at it because they would probably, it's like Medusa, and they would, like, lose their eyes. I mean, <laughs> you, you just, like, they just don't want to confront it. You know, you talk, I was, Brian Lawton was on Oilers now, and, and I listen to Oilers now every day, and I don't know why, because it would probably be easier on me if I bought a cat of nine tails and whip myself. But... <laughs> Brian Lawton says about Shirelli, about Holland, you know, he's, he's living with what happened in the previous regime and it's hard to turn the Titanic around. And that's like such a fucking load of bullshit because two years ago when the summertime came after that loss to Chicago, the Oilers had Larson, they had Bear, both had played in their top four. They had Bouchard coming. Uh, they, had, they were stocked on, on the right side. You just had to have patience for youth. And over on the left, there was, you know, we were finding out about Clef Bomb, and you had Nurse, and then you had Jones and a, and a bunch of kids. And so you sat on the right side, and Devin Tays is traded from the Islanders to the Avs for two second-round picks. Uh, for more money, albeit on a one-year contract as opposed to four, but a higher AAV, Ken Holland went and got a fourth right-hand defenseman, and that meant that fucking Bouchard was kind of in mothballs for most of the year. Yeah. So, you know, who, who's making, who's digging the hole here? Who's digging the hole? Holland is digging his own fucking hole. So don't get, like, the fact that we are three years in, two and a third of a season in, and you get your fucking monkeys going on for propaganda now, and trying to, and, and you know, it, it's sad because I love sports, and, and, you know, I've loved it my whole life, and I spent probably entirely too much time still thinking about it and reading about it. Some guys who just like, you know, cheer for that team, cheer for the crest. They're like, they're in their truck, they're going to work, they're eating lunch, whatever. They're listening to this bullshit and they're coming out and saying, oh, you know, uh, you can't say much about Holland, boy. I had a big mess to clean up. Right. And Brian, Brian Lott is just being disingenuous by saying things like that. Because I can just point like, I can poke so many holes in that stuff. So, you know, Holland had last summer 
to do to like to set the Oilers up for years because we got these guys that are going to be affordable for the next three and four years. And he just like took a massive shit all over this window to win. And now, be you know, I will also read in here, all oh, the Oilers fans are, you know, there's outrage with Oilers fans, and they want this coach fired, and they want that coach fired. Man, look, Vancouver and Chicago, and nobody would take their roster over the Oilers. They made coaching changes. Sometimes you just get that, like, initial little shock with a coaching change, and sometimes it's for real. Well... I mean, you haven't seen it with Philly yet, but that's two teams that did it with lesser rosters than the Oilers. And look at the Zoom because, you know, sometimes, I mean, as much as I like to play in the field of numbers, there's human nature too. There's like guys saying, well, man, I was pegged in a certain role under this coach. Now there's a new coach coming. I got a chance to make some hay, move higher up the order. And Dave Tippett, you know, we're not talking about a fucking. <laughs> We're not talking about Scotty Bowman <laughs> or fucking Casey Stingle here. Like Dave Tippett is easily replaceable. Mm-hmm. So like, so why, like, why isn't that the first move? Why don't you look at it and say, two years and then a third, uh, one and seven in the playoffs. Uh, it looks like everything has gotten stale. Uh, let's change it all. Why, like, why is? What do the fans have to be saying that first? Why do you, don't you see it used about in the media? Because the media is nothing more than a fucking broadsheet for the team. And everybody mm-hmm. loves their access. And nobody wants to fucking rock the boat. And it seems like, you know, it's almost like you're taking crazy pills to watch the team and look at the stats and read the people who are being paid to report about it and what they're trying to sell you. And I don't know. This, just, this, like, this fucking week just kind of drove me nuts with it to see people pushing back on the narrative that you should fire Holland or you should fire Tippett because what in the fuck have they done? What did Holland do the last seven years? Oh, he was trying to get to the playoffs for, you know, a one more shot for Mr. Illich. Well, man, he's been here three years. He's done fuck all. The time has passed. His pro, like his main pro scouting guy is even fucking older than he is. Oh, uh, <laughs> It, it drives me drives me wild when is people that, say. Is that, is that what you're looking for, Preston? Yeah, that's exactly the type of content I want on here for sure. Um, I I think you're really right about uh, it's not, people. It's not wholesome though. <laughs> eh, we've never been really a wholesome podcast. Uh, <laughs> okay. We're we've we're not afraid to drop a few f bombs and okay. and swear on here. I'm so use, I'm gonna use them all up, but anyway, <laughs> the year's almost over. Yeah, for sure. Um, I I agree that um. A lot of people are giving Holland a, like a ton of credit here just because the Oilers are simply making the playoffs. Well, we're six years into Connor McDavid being an Edmonton Oiler. Making the playoffs is no longer the goal. We want multiple rounds. We want long playoff runs. We want Stanley Cups. And right now, we're giving Holland the bare minimum credit because he can get the team into the playoffs but can't get him to do anything else. And the same goes for Dave Tippett. So I think these these fans are saying, oh, look at our record. We, we didn't make the playoffs before Holland, so he must be doing something right. It's a, it's a load of bullshit, like you said, because we have the best player in the world, maybe another top three player in the world with Leon Dreisaitl. That is no longer good enough for this team. Man, look, the best thing about democracy is everybody gets to vote. The worst thing about democracy is everybody gets to vote. <laughs> so, I mean, if you're kind of looking at, if you're looking at somebody that just wants to look at the standings, and just do the scoreboard and power the standings and shit. I mean, I guess, but you know, for me, like that's kind of not good enough. Uh, we're in a fucking different era now. 
There's teams that are just fucking lapping the Oilers when it comes to the bottom half of the roster because they have a different way of evaluating players. And, you know, basically what we're doing is you have teams like Tampa Bay who are using blood transfusions and Ken Holland is going around with a goddamn bottle of leeches. Yeah. So that's how fucking far behind we are. And for me, it's like it's no longer good enough. And I'm going to be honest with you, if we just had – if I, if the two best players were Aho and Savetchnikov instead of Drysidel and McDavid, and Edmonton was sputtering and were fucking just like spinning their tires and couldn't get over the hump, and I thought was because of the way that they do pro scouting and how they evaluate players, and the fact that their fucking old out of touch GM would get upset when you actually ask them a question about the key trader. What did you want me to get him for free? Yeah, that's fucking exactly what I wanted. Because he's a goddamn drain, and he's 39, and how many games did he last before he got hurt? And mm. you're probably so now worried about the fact that he did get hurt, and all of a sudden I'm hearing, like, the Oilers are looking for a left-handed defenseman. Well, why? They're not in their place 25 minutes. You got three or four guys down in... Bakel, who can probably give you 12 or 13. Mm-hmm. What am I missing in the fucking middle? That guy who was supposed to be your left-handed defenseman, too. But he's not, because he can't stand up to it, and he's on the fucking decline, and now you're going to burn another asset for a two, and move him down to the three, and fucking gloat about all the depth that you've got. <laughs> oh, man. So what are you going to have then? You're going to have 5.75 and 4.75, like fucking nearly 11 million on your third pairing. Yeah, it's it's way I mean, too much. It's it's just a gross um, mishandling of assets, and like you said, player evaluation in the Holland era is probably as bad as it's ever been in Oilers history. And yes, I am including the Peter Shirelli era in that as well. Oh, it's pure, it's like uh, you know, as as the French would say, it's pure dog shit. Okay, that's not French. <laughs> you know, I mean, you, no, but I mean, look, I mean, you you know, you had. I don't really have a problem with. I don't have a problem with Fogle, the player. If you drafted mm-hmm. Fogle, man, that's cool. But, yeah. but it does. But that's not what happened. I mean, you traded away a top four right-handed defenseman, and the trickle down then as well. How do you replace that top four defenseman? And you replace him with somebody. Uh, guess what? Right now, is playing third pairing minutes and struggling. You know? So yeah. Oh well. Yeah. Like he's. And I think his. Jeez, I was looking at the PDOs of all the defensemen yesterday trying to figure out who Tippett would use in the defense. Anyway, and I think his his on-ice shooting percentage is almost like 13%. Meanwhile, Bouchard and uh, Nurse's PDOs are in like the 970s, which once again goes back to my original thing about how I'd, at some point they're going to light people up and score about 8 to 10 goals in two games. They've got a soft schedule to end up this year. And all of a sudden, you know, everybody is back on the fucking wagon and talking about, oh, old Dutch Hall. And, you know, I'm, okay, like, let's wait until, you know, April or May. But, uh, you know, but, God, I was just going to make a pile of coal. Yeah. Creek joke, and I'm like, he's not fucking going to get it. But anyway, like, I don't want to wait, Preston. Yeah. And I don't want to waste this opportunity. I'm telling you what, what people do in the past predicts the future and especially if they're 60 fucking years old because mm-hmm. i don't see many people change their mind at that age in their life he's got three stanley cups that tells him that he fucking knows what to do well man you won some of those cups when you had like 20 and 25 and maybe more than that 
million. And then you won others because you were able to haul people out of a draft years and years ago. Yeah. You know, a, lightning in, a lightning in the bottle draft picks. What have you done since everything leveled up and people found a new way of evaluating players and running out the rosters? Because that's what fucking, that's what makes the difference now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, for and, sure. And that's what kills me about it is that you can't find third liners. And you can't find second left-handed defensemen. Which, I mean, should be like, a, you know, it's like, it's, it's so dumb. It's like if you watch baseball and you can't find relievers. I mean, yeah, you find relievers because you find failed starters who got two pitches. Uh, you know, it just kind of blows me away. And then you just read the media and you have no idea, you know, you have no idea why everything is happening. And it's only the last couple of ga- days that we've gotten to the Oilers' bottom six is terrible. Why is it terrible? Who picked the bottom six? Mm-hmm. Keep going, keep going, boys. You're almost there. <laughs> if you look at the bottom six, I, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent, but I'm pretty certain. I don't have the, the roster in front of me, and I, my memory is terrible. But I'm pretty sure all of the bottom six are Holland um, acquired assets, except for Ryan McLeod, and maybe yeah. Tyler Benson as well. And then. Those are probably the two bright spots in the bottom six. Yeah, really, right? Ryan McLeod is the best of them, and you know I got time for Sevier too. I mean, mm-hmm. he's like he's getting fucking killed with luck and the percentages and shit. Yeah, uh, you know, it's just the idea that you should continue to have faith in somebody that is on a very, very long losing streak with contract work, with pro scouting. I, you know, I, because I just, you know, I can't rationalize it. I can't reconcile with it. And that's kind of why I'm like, no, you know, there's, there's one thing that's out there that's trying to create a narrative and shape opinion. And I'm coming back the other way and saying, like, don't fucking drink Kool-Aid or the flavor aid as it were. Like, yeah. Look deeper because, you know, and the other thing, too, is just be, you know I, i've seen all of you develop a reputation for firing coaches and, and, and firing gms and shit well man if like if you pick the wrong people <laughs> you can't you, you just got to keep firing them and then you got to fire the dummy who picks the wrong people and yeah. that's where he gets to burger bob nicholson yeah for sure yeah you there's only so many chances you can give bob nicholson at uh at putting the right people in place, and so far he's gotten an F minus on both of his, his selections in Peter Trelli and oh, Ken Holland here. At, at some point too, you got to ask the question: Like, what is Kate in this for? Mm-hmm. Like, is he putting minimal effort in because he knows like it's a, there's not fuck all else to do in the winter time there, and you know you're gonna get like the, even if you do have some kind of a drop off with ticket sales, you know it's only so low that there's gonna go. You've got like a crazy built-in market anyway. You don't really have to fucking go the extra mile. And Burger Bob hooks you up to that Hockey Canada pipeline money. Is that what like? Is that what's important? You know, today I was so fucking spiteful and I was thinking of everything. And I was like, man, I hope they're, I hope those goddamn fucking World Juniors are fucking fanless again this year. Yeah. Like, you're like, fuck them. Like, you know, you're not doing what you could to help this team. Like, I hope you don't even get, like, one ass in this year. But anyway, mm-hmm. like, we'll see. But that's what I, that's where I was. I was so spiteful. I was like, man, like, you know, look at the money. The seventh, seventh most profitable franchise. What could you do with that with an with analytics department and the scouting mm-hmm. department? You know who the richest team in baseball is? 
and has like and you know where they put their money and that's the Dodgers. And if you ever saw the LA Dodgers and had a draft and develop, it's fucking crazy. And they're using their muscle. They're using their money. The Leafs do that with their analytics department. And the Oilers are the Oilers are seven in revenue, Preston, and they've got a seventy year old guy going out and doing their pro scouting. I mean, Jesus, think about that. It's it, well, well, we do have we do have an analytics department. It's the Ma Brothers, the, they you know, they it's do. Like, it's, it's, like you, it's like you bought Tyler. It's like if you bought Connor McDavid's mansion, but you had to shit outdoors. <laughs> uh, the Ma Brothers, they're they're most of their time is spent doing the the travel visas, but they're also the oil. They double as the Oilers analytics department maybe, as well. Maybe, maybe if the Ma. <laughs> Yeah, no, and I, I've seen from uh, some other people that compare, because um, Dave Tippett has gone to the media and said, hey, I have my own analytics I look at. I look oh, at scoring oh, chances. And and if you really look at it, it's really similar, and I mean really similar to what David Staples does at the Edmonton Journal. And if David Staples is the, the guy we're going to for analytics, something has gone very fucking wrong with the Edmonton Oilers. That's the last place you should be looking. I, like, I don't know. I hope you know this because then I would have more confidence in, in, the, in the youth and in the future. The Oilers in, like, 1984 used Roger Nielsen, and it, he was, they were the first team to use video to, to break down strategy, scoring chances, and, and devise a plan. And I just kind of remember reading about it as a kid, and like I said, it was the first company. Was, I mean, yeah, they called him, like, Captain Video, because if you kind of read about Roger Nielsen, then you really should. I mean, he was a fucking big-time innovator and well ahead of the curve. And so I thought about that, too, today. And I'm thinking, like, how do you go? Like, this is like a fledgling franchise, like nine years old. Well, no, five years old in the NHL at the time to be so progressive. Singer basically ripped off the Oilers style from Europe and the Jets. The Jets ripped it off from Europe and Sailor took the, from the old WHA Jets. So you had a team that at that point was progressive. Mm-hmm. And five years in. To the point now where we're at like 2021 and uh, you've got people with economics and math degrees and business degrees running franchises in in the major sports and the Oilers got like an old 60-year-old and the main guy he leans on for signings is 70. Yeah. Just do do think about it. You fucking put that in perspective and look at it and – and in some ways, like Cates, the Cates doesn't deserve success. Mm-hmm. No, I absolutely he, agree. I don't want Jerry Jones. Like I don't want Jerry Jones fucking hiring and firing offensive coordinators and head coaches. But honest to God, like his hands off approach. And you know, and maybe there's like I said, maybe there's a financial method to the madness. Maybe he understands he's going to make money on the hockey globe anyway, and you know he knows what Bob Nicholson can hook him up, and he loves being. You know, he grew up being buddy-buddy, and you used to hear that a lot with the old Dynasty Oilers, and now maybe he loves Hockey Canada, but I tell you, man, eat your software. Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> you, you know, know what, I, I bet we see, once Con- once Connor McDavid um, has enough of this losing and demands something out, demands a trade, demands getting out of this, this, this town, then I think we'll see, we'll start seeing that. We'll start seeing... Uh, 
Because Daryl Cates will see that his cash cow is on his way out of town. So then we'll start seeing the progress. But the fact that we're able to get to that point in the first place is ridiculous. And it's just unforgivable as a sports owner, sports manager, everyone involved in this. We're sitting here saying this is going to happen, but they're ignoring it until the last possible second. Well, I, you know, I, like, I think this is going to be kind of like, this will be a historical failure if you don't win multiple cups with Nick Dave. Yeah. That's what it will go down to. I mean, I've got, you know, I've since the mid-'80s, i got a pretty good uh, recall of memory of what happened and how, and then I could probably go back another 20 years from what I read. You, you don't, like, you don't have superstars of that ilk and fail to surround them with talent to win. It just kind of, like, it doesn't happen. And, it, and if they do this and they fuck this up, I mean, well, you see how hard, I mean, Chirelli, like, Holland's probably in his way of anyway, and he got five times 25 million, and I wouldn't even let him in. I wouldn't even let the fucker in to watch rec hockey. <laughs> but anyway, he probably doesn't care. But, I mean, you look, Chirelli's fucking got the red, got the scarlet letter on him. He can't, you know, he's there doing assistant work for, like, Doug Armstrong because they're buddies. Yeah. He's not, he's not getting hired because, you know, of anything that he, of a, anything of merit, you know. And so, like, you wear that stain to fail with somebody like that. I mean, that kind of sticks to you, and and it should. And when I look at it and see, you know, you think it was, you think it was bad that it took Mario so long, but that was kind of like a different time, and he didn't have the supporting cast that Nick David has had for most of the time that he's been there. It's just the, the idea that you could go a year and a third and be outscored. 4282 and your bottom six mm-hmm. and continuously change around the personnel. It's like you either got to fire your pro scouting staff or you got to fire your head coach. Yeah. You, you can't continue to keep doing this over and over and look at the players' fault. You're getting players who are not good enough. It's not their fault. Like you can't ask me to dunk a basketball person. I can't do it. It's not fair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you no, know? for sure. And um uh, some of these players that are being brought in, like Derek Ryan, these are these are good players who have been good in the past. But the the common trend you start seeing with Edmonton Oilers or, or new Edmonton Oilers coming into the system under Dave Tippett is that they go from having a good season to just falling off a cliff, like out of nowhere a lot of the time for guys like Derek Ryan. Um, and yeah, I guess you the, could. Is the Eric Belanger trying? <laughs> yeah, it's a new one. People, it's get, a... In, people get in people get in a, in a small plane. And they're like they get in the Cessna, and then Dave Tibbet gets on like Dave Tibbet's in the tower talking to him, and they fucking like disappear. Yeah, it's it's you. At some point, you have to be like, okay, maybe it's not the players, it's the coach, it's the strategy, it's something else. It's not the players. Cause... Yeah, I don't know why it's always the fucking players. Yeah, it's always there's always the players in Edmonton. It's always been the players in Edmonton from a time uh, Jason Aaron had like made the mistake of having uh, sex outside marriage and had like a fucking Camaro. Or something, and only had like a flashy sports car, and this is the mid nineties. It's always the fucking players' fault, because everybody, you know, it's a it's a kumbaya. We're all in together. We're a small market. We don't have anything else. We want to be buddies with everybody. Nobody ever calls upon the middle, and then the first thing that'll ever happen, well, we gotta make drink. Yeah, you know and you know, and so now you're playing that fucking game with superstars there. Now you're not playing that game with Arnett or Doug Wait or even Pronger, who asked out, but now you're playing it with, like, now you're going to talk about, hmm, okay, is, is it the players this time? Because now we've got some really fucking good players. And now it's much easier. Here's the data that you 
available to anyone. I mean, you don't get the really, really good data, but it's good enough that I've seen guys on the internet like Woodcock be able to go and say, Jesus, this song is terrible. They shouldn't make it. And so, you know, you got something like that bright enough to go look it up yourself. Now you're not going to hire somebody that can build their own fucking model that continually evaluates players. Man, they fucking get what they deserve. And we're along for the ride, sadly. Yeah. I'm just pulling back to say, like, anybody who fucking supports that, whether that's a fucking fan or whether that's media, like, if you're smart enough to know better, like, shame on you. Yeah, it's this is a blind appeal to authority, right? And we've seen it in the Peter Shirelli era. I remember multiple Twitter users. I won't name them here because uh, that's not really my thing, but... Um... Shoot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I would like to, but I, I won't. But I, I've argu- I remember arguing with people um, about Shirelli and how bad the moves Shirelli were, was making were, were awful. And they were like, oh, no, you trust him. He gave Boston a cup. He was really good. He's an experienced guy. And then once he was fired, those same people who defended him were like, oh, well, Shirelli destroyed this team. You got to give Holland some time to fix Shirelli's mistakes. So I'm just waiting. I'm waiting for that moment. For uh, And now I'm arguing with them about Holland, of course. And so now I'm waiting for that moment when Holland gets fired and the next guy comes in and it's, uh, oh, give this guy a chance. He has to clean up Holland's mess. It's just a, it's an unending cycle. And I, sometimes I just feel like I'm going absolutely insane. It's just, just, just call a spade a spade for once. I like to know if people are like that in their like, professional lives. Like, because it must be a fucking great thing to be a boss if you're only like, if all your workers are Oilers fans. <laughs> you could make them like basically do anything. They'd be like, "Okay, boss, you made money in the past, so what you do must be right." <laughs> I, I, I just, I kind of don't understand it, and so, and this is kind of why, you know, this is kind of why I have these reactions. Like, we know better. We're in a time when we know better. We know there's a better way to do things. We know that. The Leafs could find comp from Chicago and they could take a chance on Taj and then they could go find Michael Bunting. And, uh, you know, it's funny, like, I was talking to my friend and I, he was a big Leafs fan, and he was like, what in the hell happened with Bear for Fogel? I said, man, like, look at the Leafs. Like, your, your right-handed defenseman, number one, is like a converted, he's a left-handed dude. Number two is like Justin Holy, nobody wanted. The Leafs don't want him anymore. <laughs> Then you've got, like, number three is either Dermot, another left-handed, or a kid like Lilligren. And basically, Holland is just taking right-handed defensemen and just, like, throwing them out the door. So, I don't understand. Yeah, it, it doesn't make much sense at all. And then it's also... It's crazy. It looks, look at the guys that uh, the team has, like, taken off the team. Like, let's, let's step back and and not focus on the guys that Holland brings in, but the guys that Holland doesn't bring back. Like, a guy like Tyler Ennis, a guy like... Uh, a Gaten Haas, those two guys, despite the bottom six struggling, again, like McLeod is this year, they were bright spots. And and in the summer, he just decides, no, we don't want him anymore. Uh, they might have done kind of all right, but let's replace them with um, some worse guys. It's just, <laughs> it's, it makes, it just drives me insane as well because it's like, oh no, this part of the solution was here. It was right in front of you. And then you just decide to ignore it and get rid of it. And then you... You fuck it all up again. It's, it's... Well, yeah, and then we got to go back to how much, like, Tibbet's got an outsized, he's got an outsized influence on the roster by, by the look of it, because if we kind of looked at that roster and you were outside of it and you looked at all the positions that everybody could play 
and you looked at what costs money, I mean, wouldn't you have Nuge as a center because it would be cheaper to get a wing? Yeah. Instead of having Nuge as a wing at five million, and then you got to go get a center. Like, I, I, you know, that's the first. That's the first thing that Tampa could do is, is try that three line approach mm-hmm. and have your fourth for penalty killers and whatever. But even the fact that he won't do that, so uh, I, you know, press on. I don't know. I mean, I become more pessimistic about it as the days go by. I thought they would win a cup for sure. For me now, uh, I think it will just be dumb luck. You know, yeah. It, how you populate the bottom of the roster matters. We've seen that over and over again. And it's either dumb luck or uh, your, your Leons and McDavid's are still good enough by the time Borgo uh, and Holloway are good enough to help. And then there's no guarantee that both of those guys will turn out. But mm-hmm. the way that it is, I mean, you're going to need both of those guys to turn out maybe overachieve. Yeah. Cause, yeah. There's, no coming, there's no help coming from pro scouting. You're just going to basically build on amateur scouting, and uh, if that doesn't work out, you're fucked. Yeah. No, I completely agree because those guys. It's, cause it's it's you're kind of harkening back to the to the original first phase, the first try to rebuild back when we had like Andrew Cogliano, Sam Gagne, and then Taylor Hall coming in. But those guys are getting put in the NHL and put in like really high pressure premier roles, and um, they might have not hit their full potential because of that. Um, and we're going to be asking kind of the same of guys like Holloway and Borgo, like you said. Um, it, it really. I just don't see it on, yeah, I just don't see. You know, they're saying Holloway's going to go down and play a few games in the AHL once he's hopefully good to go. I can be very interested to see what that number is because you're kind of drowning up top. Yeah. And, I mean, how patient is Ken Holland going to be? And, I mean, he's not exactly the most fucking creative with the cap. Yeah. So, I mean, what like, what's the easiest thing for him to do? Like try to make a trade when he can't win one or say, well, <laughs> here's Holloway and we'll bring him. Now, that being said, when I see guys like Seth Jarvis play and they were the same crowd, I'm like, well, yeah, it probably might not be a bad idea to come but immediately. But then you just think about it like you kind of didn't have to be that way. Yeah. Because you're kind of rolling snake eyes on all your pro scouting evaluations. I mean, all you've got left is what you draft. So mm-hmm. you can never miss. I mean, that's, that's a lot of pressure when it's unrealistic. Yeah, and um, you know, I'm looking at the trade rumors going around, and, and Elliot Friedman brought up the the idea that Jakob Chitrin over in Arizona might be available, albeit at a high price. And then he even mentioned the Oilers as someone as a team that might be very interested in a guy like Chitrin. Oh, and well, I hope, I hope and Nurse is the one that's traded for. <laughs> the the problem with that, like I love Jakob Chitrin, the player. I think he'd be fantastic on the Oilers. I think he's exactly what this team needs on the back end, especially. Um, surprise surprise Duncan Keith wasn't the guy that was going to save the left side left side which yeah. we saw that one coming that came out of left field um uh, I I'm I love the player Chitrin but I'm terrified of what the trade would be because you know it's not going to be something it's it's Ken Holland we're talking about he's given up something and and the asking price is already supposed to be super high so Ken Holland's going to see that and double the the offer and it's going to be a, an absolute um it's going to be an absolute disaster if we trade for him. Yeah, Even... I still can't believe it. When you come, and it's almost like it, it worked out because Kemper is playing poorly and he's hurt all the time. But when I think about it, it's like, 
how the fuck did he get outbid for Darcy Kemper yeah. last year? That's kind of, <laughs> that kind of fucking blows me away. If you're going to do, let's say if you're going to do Chikrin, the first thing that's got to happen is he would have to part with, with Broberg. Yeah. In terms of like, uh, okay, if, you know, uh, the Oats are kind of pushing everything back two and three years, and hoping, well, in two years' time, this guy's 75% or 80% as good as Chikrin. Maybe that's the... Maybe that would be a thing, but I don't know. I mean, that's the first thing you have, would have to give up, and then you're probably looking at forward to first. But sometimes the best that you can offer is not going to match what somebody else can offer, and I don't know. I mean, besides Bouchard and, like, then your right side is a mess, but I wouldn't... I basically wouldn't rule anything out. Yeah. No gets desperate. If he's desperate and his first call isn't too far to coach then it might be a trade and if it's a trade and Dave Tibbet still has to say Bouchard might not be safe yeah well I know a lot of people (laughs) (laughs) I I know I remember last year um uh, we heard Dave Tippett um, talk about Ethan Bear. This, this is very similarly to how he's talking about Evan Bouchard this year. He was like, oh, he's going to be a big guy on this roster for years to come. He's an important player. <laughs> and then a few months later, uh, Ethan Bear's out. He's scratched in a playoff game. Um, it's Or he's sat, not scratched, but he was benched for the majority of that elimination game. And, and then he's yeah, traded no, a what? month later. So, you know, I don't think we can take anything that uh, Dave Tippett says um, at, at his word. I think even if he says, oh, Evan Bouchard will be here for years and it's important, he said the same thing about Bear. Like, Oh, yeah, no, it's... no. The, the, you know, the way that he evaluates defensemen is you just you can't make turnovers. No. So well, you, say, you right? can make turnovers if you're over the age of 30. <laughs> then yeah, you're allowed. Yeah, and they, don't, and they don't wind up in the net. Yeah. <laughs> they wind up in the net, they're somehow like a super bad turnover. Yeah. And maybe he, and I don't know where he came up with that too. Maybe, maybe, and we'll end on this. Maybe one of Tippett's super secret stats is the super bad turnover. Ah. Uh, maybe this is what we're missing. The CBT per sixty. Yeah. Ah, that's it. All right. Well, thank you very much, Dennis, for coming on to the show. Um, I really appreciate you being our first ever guest on the Copper and Blue podcast, and you surely did not disappoint. So thank you very much for being on. Yeah, no, thank you, Preston, and uh, happy holidays, and let's hope for a, a, uh, either hope for a winning streak or two more losses, and uh, basically uh, Cates' Unusually tall son takes over and fires. <laughs> we can we can only hope. We can only hope. Okay. Uh, awesome. You have a great night. Thank you. You too, buddy. Okay. Bye. All right. So that was Dennis King, our first ever guest here on the Copper and Blue podcast. If you're interested in more of his thoughts, he posts on Twitter quite a bit. You can follow him at D King. That's D K I N G B H. Um, he has. He is one follower away at this moment from 3,500, so please be that person to put him over the edge there. Um, And yeah, it was a fantastic having him on here, and uh, I hope uh, we can hear more from him in future episodes. Uh, uh, So thank you guys for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.